In today's episode of Align with the Massage Business Mama, you are going to hear excerpts from a conversation we had over in my membership group. We hope you enjoy. Align with the Massage Business Mama comes to you with a combined 22 plus years experience in the massage biz as entrepreneurs, providing actionable tips and resources you can implement today. Becca, an off-grid living, quirky, trail-running massage therapist, esthetician, and yogi, offers her business and wellness perspective to you with highly caffeine-fueled, compassionate wit. Allie, your hard-working, driven, creative mom, massage therapist, business owner, lover of friend gatherings, all-time annual family talent show winner, brings her drive and business savvy to every episode. We are joined with Wendy Pitts-Reeves today, and she is going to be talking with us about how to think like a marketer. And she has three (laughs) key concepts that she believes therapists, practitioners must understand and embrace in order to have a successful practice. So these are kind of the concepts she's going to be going over with us today. And before we get into that, Wendy, I'd love for you to just share who you are and how you got started and what it is that you do, why we should awesome. listen to you. <laughs> yeah, I'd be happy to do that. This is great. I, I, I love being here and I love connecting with you, Allie, because we both are very similar and that we both come from a healing arts background and now are helping other people in private practice. It's, it's very similar. So my background is in mental health. I'm a longtime practicing psychotherapist and have been for more decades than I can count. And I have unofficially been coaching people, teaching people how to run a practice for probably 20 years, 30 years. I I started, uh, I live in East Tennessee near the Great Smoky Mountains. And I started a, what became a fairly significant group practice way long time ago, ran that practice for 20 plus years. And then I sold that practice last year. And as a part of that work, a counseling practice, a part of that work, I've always been teaching other therapists how to get their practice off the ground. I didn't know that was a thing. And it wasn't until maybe five or six years ago that it clicked that, oh, I could actually do this officially. <laughs> so today I still have, I still see a few counseling clients, actually uh, just a few a week, um, just because I don't really want to let that go completely. And then most of the time I'm coaching people, healers of all different kinds, how to get their private practice either up and off the ground or how to take one that you've had for a while, but just isn't really working anymore or isn't the way you want it to be and how to turn it into an ideal practice that works as well for you as it does for your clients. Um, because in my experience, most people who do the kind of work that we do take be- take really good care of our clients, but we're not so great on the business side and we're not so good at taking care of ourselves as business owners, especially when it comes to how we price our services, the boundaries we set around, our expectations with our clients, all those kinds of things. And learning how to market is a big part of, how, of fixing that. That's kind of what we're gonna talk about today. Well, awesome. Well, thank you for sharing a little bit about your background. And you have these three key concepts that you feel like we must understand and embrace. What are those three? I'll just sort of set this up a little bit by saying that, I mean, I'm a social worker, guys. My background is clinical social work and marketing. Like I I have, I had an old roommate in college who was a marketing major. And I just actually ran into her recently. And I told her, I used to feel sorry for her in school. Cause I'm like, Oh, you poor thing. Like I could not imagine anything more boring than talking about marketing. Good freaking Lord. Who cares about that? Right. And then what I have come to learn over time 
is that when you make a decision to start a private practice, when you start your own business, no matter what your primary type of service is, you become a marketer at that point. You have to, because right. if you know, you're not going to have a business. Right. And th this isn't volunteer work, right? So a coach, one of my favorite coaches that I've ever worked with said, your purpose on the planet may be to make the world a better place, but the purpose of your practice or your business is to make money, which, you know, I'm like, oh, okay. That's a whole new concept, right? And so you have to learn to think like a marketer, which is sort of counterintuitive for most of us. So I wanted to just start off by saying that when you, uh, when you made the decision to open a practice, from that point forward, honestly, every conversation is a marketing conversation, whether you think of it that way or not. The casual chatter that you're having with your hairstylist while you're getting your hair done, with your dentist, you know, the, your neighbors over the back fence, Every conversation is an opportunity to invite the world to use the good stuff that you've got to offer. But you have to learn. Learning how to think strategically, learning how to do that more purposefully and intentionally is a really valuable skill that's going to help you in your practice. And I also think, Wendy, too, that sometimes, you know, if we look at it like every conversation is an opportunity, it can feel a little sleazy at times. Like, Got it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Know, like, yeah. Oh, I, I want to have genuine interactions. And I think that's kind of in the nature of massage therapists is like, we want to have these genuine interactions where we're, you know, we're not always trying to sell ourselves. So it is an absolutely switch. So look at the mindset that's right there. Selling is sleazy. Yeah. Marketing equals selling equals sleazy. And I, I totally get that because I thought the same way most of my career. And it's taken me a while to sort of turn that around. But what I've come to understand is that when you sell, when you market and then sell your services from a place of integrity that is in alignment with your highest self and with your values that you bring to your work, then your selling is an act of service to your clients and potential clients. Yeah. It's an, and that's a really important point to get. So here's, there are three main things I want to cover and I'm going to, I'm going to tell you what they are. And then if it's okay with you, Allie, I'll go through each one of them a little bit more details. Good. Okay. So essentially what they, in a nutshell, what I want you to do is I want you number one, to acknowledge your desire. And I'll tell you what I mean by that in a minute. I want you to own your authority. And then I want you to learn how to open your mouth. Okay. <laughs> that's essentially what we're going to do. Okay. So when I mean, when I say acknowledge your desire, what I mean by that is that you're doing the work that you're doing for a reason. You want to make an impact. You care a lot about your clients. I know you do. You wouldn't have gone into this line of work if you didn't. And guys, I am a child of the 60s and I, I have had some of my biggest fights with people around money because I used to say, I don't care about that. All I want to do is help people. And I still feel that way. So when I talk about this, it's not because all of a sudden I've decided it's all about making money. It's just that I have learned that if I'm not making money, I'm not going to last very long in my practice. I'm going to end up exhausted, burned out, resentful, been there, done that, right? None of which is going to serve them. And then I'm not going to show up in my best way. So the first thing is just to acknowledge the fact that you have a desire to make an impact. You want to help people feel better, move better hurt less, live better, 
right? And so one of the first things to learn as you learn to think like a marketer is to, it's called positioning. It's positioning your ideal client. And that is getting super clear on who you serve and who you don't serve, right? So your ideal client doesn't, um, it, like it's an important point as you're designing your practice to think, oh my gosh, this kind of client, who are the clients that when you look at your calendar for the day, your first thought is, oh, yay, yeah, I get to see her. <laughs> right, it's gonna be a good day. And which are the ones that you look at and you go, oh no, that one's coming today, right? Like I used to do this. I would look at my schedule for the day and I would like my most difficult situations or difficult cases. I would try to schedule them like Monday or Tuesday to get them over with because, you know, for the rest of the day to deal with them the rest of the week. That's not what I call an ideal practice. To me, an ideal practice is you're working with people that you love, that are fun, enjoyable, not necessarily easy. Like it may be a complicated situation. It may be something that really challenges you from a skill set. But you love the work and you feel alive and invigorated and you know, you know in your bones that what you've got to offer is going to make a difference if they will just work with you. So the first part is to just acknowledge like this is real. I really do have something I feel strongly about. I really do have a gift. I really do have a skill that I have spent thousands of dollars and thousands of hours getting good at. And I know I can help you. I love it. I love your line. I know in my bones, like if you know it in your bones, then it doesn't feel as sleazy to be trying to present yourself to new people. It's not sleazy. It's serving them, right? I'm not trying to trick you. I have no interest in tricking you or manipulating you. One of the, one of the sort of secrets to success in my counseling practice, which is in in the small town where I live, our practice has been the go-to resource in town for a long, long, long time. And a big part of the reason for our, behind our success is that we have never tried to fight for business. We have always said, we don't care where you get help as long as you get what you need. So if there's someone here who can help you, awesome. If not, let me see if I can come up with two or three other ideas. And we give out websites and resources and other people's names all the time. I say we do as if, yeah, I still do. I'm not at that practice now, but so that's focusing on service, right? But, you, but knowing who your ideal client is, is important because when you know who you don't serve as well, then you can refer those people out. And, you're, and that also is service. I don't think I'm the right one for you. And here's why. Here's what my real strength is, or here's where my passion is. But you know what? I know someone else and she's awesome. She's across the town. Let me give you her name. I think she can take really good care of you. That's service. So I'll give you an example of this. Um, At the beginning of the pandemic, I was coaching a yoga teacher in Wisconsin. And a little, I I swear, I don't know where she was, but I think she was in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it was like in the middle of what I think of the flatlands in the middle of nowhere. And her, in the beginning, when I first started working with her, she was doing traditional classes in um, a community center and charging rock bottom fees She would have lots of people come into her class, but they sort of dropped in and out. They weren't super committed and she wasn't making any money. And honestly, she wasn't served by that work. Like she didn't, she didn't love it. And what, what we kind of worked on over time was figuring out out of all those people that she was serving, who were the ones that really sort of lit her up. And essentially 
we started off talking about that, which turned into a marketing message. And that was that her passion was helping people do yoga who thought they couldn't do yoga. Mm. And that meant people who were overweight, people who were elderly, people who had serious health problems, like had been through major surgeries or a car accident, people who thought yoga is for the pretty young slender things have nothing to do with me, right? Once she got clear on who her ideal client was and why she wanted to work with them, we were able to craft all of her marketing around that. And then when the pandemic hit, because she had kind of gotten so much better at that, she was able to take her work completely online. She had not done any of that before. She raised her rates three times within the first, I don't know, three to five months or so of the pandemic, if I'm remembering, like, like March to July, I think is the way I'm remembering this. And every time she raised her rates and her messaging got clearer, her numbers went up, her income went up, her impact went up, and her clients got more out of it because she knew who she served and who she didn't. Mm-hmm. She owned her desire. She acknowledged what she loved and what she wanted to do. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. The light bulb that came on when you were talking about that was, you know, I still think that a lot of us come from a place of like wanting to give, but if we're, yes. if we're able to have these clients that are paying a little bit more and, um, you know, aren't burning us out quite as much, we can have more bandwidth to do some pro bono work and pick yes. and choose those you know, cases that really speak to us that where we really want to give back more. And so, you know, that's kind of a blessing with, with doing this type of approach to business. That is a really, really good point. Um, If I can um, take a slight little tangent into that, that is an issue all the time with every healer I ever work with is that I just want to help people. I want to, you know, I feel sorry for this person. So I'm going to see them for a third of my usual rate, et cetera. I'm going to see so-and-so on Saturday when I don't even really want to work on Saturday. But when you get clear about your pricing and your boundaries around your time, and you see people who can afford to see you and are happy to pay you, you know, for a good reason, then you've got the energy and the income to be able to afford to, to have X number, like there's so many ways you can give back. You can say, I've got two slots that I keep for special cases. I've got, uh, I don't encourage a sliding scale. I think that's, I think that gets into a whole bunch of complications that it's aren't interesting. worth it. I, I was, I was hoping that we would talk about that a little bit because I know I've seen a lot of practitioners who have sliding scales and I always caution against doing that because yeah. I think it just gets really sticky and messy, but I was curious yeah. your perspective on that. Yeah, I actually don't think that's a good idea at all. But you can say I've got I keep three slots, two slots, four slots for discounted slots. And then you decide what kind of discount you want to offer. Yeah. Or you can don't you can not have any of that in your practice, but you donate one day a month to a local nursing home or a group home for troubled kids or something whatever whatever whatever, whatever you're it is for. Whatever yeah, you're called to do. Yeah. Like yeah. for me, I'm, I'm really, um, you know, it's interesting. You're in the mental health profession. Like that's, that's a passion for me is giving back to the mental health community. And so, you know, I'm, I'm willing to give a little bit more pro bono work towards that, that cause. But you do it in a conscious and intentional way, yep. not in a reactive or a way that comes out of guilt or obligation. You do it because that's your right. practice is healthy and strong, Right. And you can afford this and you feel good about it. Not, oh, I should, but I want to, I get to, and it's, and it's with intention. So that's a whole different way of doing it and getting clear about who you serve and who you don't 
learning to acknowledge your desire. I really want to make a, these are the people I want to help. You know, the, the world is full of people who need help. I can't help them all. These are the ones that, that matter to me the most. So I'm going to serve them. And then the second point was to own your authority, which I say all the time, because I see this, especially with women, not as much with the guys, but I have a lot of, a lot of background in this y'all um, that there is tons of research that shows that women tend to never think they know enough where our tendency is always to think I need two more certifications, one more PhD. I need 10 more years of experience. I need to go take another class, whatever. When instead of owning the training that you've already got, the life experience you've already got, the wisdom that you've already got, all the things that make up who you are, that you already are enough to serve your clients. And what I always tell my folks is that if you don't believe in yourself, why should I? Yeah. If you don't think you're worth paying premium fees for premium service, then why should I as a potential client, right? So <laughs> I have a, I have a, this just occurred to me. I hadn't planned to say this, but I'll, I'll share with you. So many, many years ago, I went through a health crisis of my own and I came out of this thinking, oh my gosh, I've got to, I have a business to run. I don't have time to be sick. I've got to do all the things. And so I started working with an energy healer who is also a massage therapist who I had been sending people to for years, but had not gone to myself. There's a point there. Yeah, I know. But <laughs> I finally went to her and spent like two hours with her. And she is, a, I swear, she's a magician. She's, she is probably the best person that I know of within a two hour drive of where I live. She's really, really phenomenal. And we spent two hours, a good, at least a half of that was talking Right. And then at the end, she said, now I want you to know, I'm only going to charge you for the time you were actually on the table. I don't charge you for this time that we were just talking. And I looked at her and I said, well, why is that? <laughs> I said, you're helping me. You're serving me. Why would you not? charge? It's your time. Why would you not charge? And she said, well, that's because that's not I mean, it's OK. And I'm like, no, honey, that's not OK. And I'm going to pay you for the time that I've taken of your day. And then she said, oh, maybe you can help me. <laughs> and she, it was hilarious. And she said, maybe you can work out a swap, a trade. And, you know, I'm like, no, we're not going to do that. I will pay you for your time. If you want yeah. my help, you will pay me. That's how we're going to do it. Yeah. She ended up becoming one of my first official clients when I started coaching. It was hilarious. And she's still my person that I go to, but she just raised her prices for the third time. And she is happy and doing well and not working six days a week anymore. And, you know, so anyway, but I, I can start preaching on this. Charging for her time when she's giving that talk feedback that, you know, whole time. Really yes. Compliments the work that she's doing. Oh yes. Cause it's rich and valuable and yeah. Ah, yeah. <laughs> so I was thinking, so, so, so in terms of owning your authority, besides just recognizing the value that you bring as a professional, which is not insignificant, it also, from a marketing perspective, means to that I want you to start positioning yourself as an expert. And y'all, I am not kidding. Guys do this all the time with no, tra no training, no background. They wake up in the morning and go look at this at the mirror and go, why couldn't I be senator someday? <laughs> we look up and we go, you know, I don't have, I mean, that, there's, there really is research that shows this. And I have served in public office back in the past. So I, that's kind of my thing or used to be my thing. And so I'm very conscious of all the ways that women are constantly saying, I don't know enough. I don't know enough as a marketer and as a human being and a business owner, I want you to number one, get clear about the good that you do and the value that you bring. But as a marketer, I want you to learn how to talk about that. Okay. So 
part of position, we talked about positioning your ideal client. That is so that your marketing language, your website, what you say online, what you say when you meet people, you're describing, I help these, these, this particular kind of group of folks. You're describing who you work with. Positioning yourself, it just is describing yourself and the expertise that you bring. So one way to sort of separate these two is that when you are positioning, and this is these are basic business principles, okay? When you are positioning your ideal client in your marketing, you're going to talk about the problems that they have in their language. What are the words that they use to describe what hurts, what doesn't work, what they need help with? When you're positioning yourself, what you want to talk about are the results that you deliver, the difference that you make. And that's those are sort of two sides of the same coin. Does that make sense? Yeah. So right. So so um, so people will say, and I'm just gonna guess, I'm not a massage therapist, but this is kind of where my brain goes with this is my back hurts. Okay. So I wish somebody would help me because, oh my gosh, everything I'm in sitting in a chair on Zoom calls all day and my back is killing me, right? So I'm going to go see you. But the results that you deliver are, oh, come and talk to me. I work with entrepreneurs who are on Zoom calls all day long or young corporates who I know you're working with people all over the world and you're spending so much time in front of your computer. So let me help you because I get, I get you're too young for this. Your back shouldn't be hurting anymore. I know how to help you. And what you're going to find is that when we get your back straightened out, everything's going to be better. All of a sudden, you're going to be better at Little League Baseball again with your son. All of a sudden, you're going to find that gardening is the, is, is a joy again. All of a sudden, you're going to find that you can actually do those 10-mile hikes that you have thought that maybe were behind you now. Like your whole life is going to get better. That's the results that you deliver. It's the difference that you make in their life just from solving a very specific problem that they're asking for. So in your copy, the way you, again, you, the way you talk about this everywhere, and just in your conversations, what do you help people do? Ah, well, you know, people come to me with a bad back, but what I really help them do is get their life back. I help it's them play awesome. with their grandchildren. I help them, I help them enjoy their life. I help them live longer. <laughs> Run faster, kayak again. Like depending upon whatever your group is, right? So, or whatever your ideal client is. Right. That's thinking like a marketer. Here's who I serve. Here are the problems that they have. Here's what I bring to the table. Here are the results that I deliver. And I also want you to think about kind of what your, what's the message that you bring. And when I say that, what I mean is like, so I, you have, I've already done it today. I always say, I, I'm sorry, I'm going to start preaching. And I'm a Southerner. We do that where I live. Okay. <laughs> But like, what's the message that you find yourself saying all the time? So my clients will tell you that they hear me in their head, which I never know whether to take that as a compliment or worry, you know, but I, I will do a call like this with my people and they'll be like, you know, I, I have was this conversation with a client this week and I could hear Wendy in the back of my head saying, don't, don't, don't you dare discount. <laughs> what are the things that your clients say? I hear you in my head. You know, what's the thing that, like it's like there's a core principle or there may be two or three, but usually there's one main one that you're constantly saying that if you could just get them to believe it, buy into it, understand it, implement it in their life, everything's going to get better. That whatever that is, that's a big key of your learning to think like a marketer. That's a big part of your owning your authority. Here's what I know, dear client. 
that I want you to get. So like for me, it's like, I want you to know that charging appropriate pricing for the value that you bring isn't hurting anybody. And in fact, it's actually serving your clients. I actually think the way, and this is my thing, so I talk about pricing a lot, is a therapeutic issue. I think that when you have healthy policies around how you handle payment, you are treating your clients with respect and you are modeling healthy self-care. That's part of my core message. What's yours? It's going to be something about the way they move or the way they sit or stand or the way they manage energy in their life or the way they eat. I don't know what it is, <laughs> but you know, and all of you have something specific for you. Mm-hmm. Like there'd be sort of general principles that all uh, massage therapists use, but all of you are unique individuals who have something that you like, mm-mm-mm. I feel this so strongly. If I could just pour this into my clients, I know things would be better for them. That's part of owning your authority. I'm going to put you on the spot, Allie. What would you say is your, one of your main messages that as a massage therapist or as a coach to massage therapist? Well, for, as a massage therapist, I was thinking how I am always preaching about how interconnected our bodies are and how the pain in your shoulder might be related to your foot and how, you know, we have to take care of the whole system and figure out on a holistic level where things are coming from and you know maybe it's a a a mental health thing maybe it's a a fight that you had with you know your family member and maybe it is a a physical issue but that it can't we can't just say oh it's my shoulder that's hurting right so applying that to what I was just saying so your ideal client let's use that might be um let's say a woman in her middle ages who's who's having shoulder pain and so part of your positioning is I know that your shoulders, which you never thought you would have trouble with, all of a sudden you're having trouble with. Let's figure out what that is. And oh, by the way, one of my unique gifts is I can help. We can figure out how that's tied to other parts of your life, because there's a really good chance that that's just a symptom of something bigger or a symptom of something that's just sneaky and different that's on the side that most People, most practitioners aren't even going to see, but you and I together, are, we're going to look at the whole picture and we're going to figure out not only what's going on with your shoulder, but what we can do in your life. That's going to make that better because you know what? You're all, you're an interconnected being and I'm going to help you show, I'm going to show you what I mean by that. And you're going to love it. Yeah. 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 And then all of a sudden that becomes your unique message. That's different from every other massage therapist in town. And that doesn't mean you're better or worse than anybody else. It means that for your audience, that's the message that they need to hear. Yeah. So I'll give you an example in my coaching work that where, where one of my clients owned this, that, uh, so I was, I was coaching a, a psychotherapist who actually used to be one of my business partners and then came back later to me for coaching many years later. And in her particular case, this goes under owning your authority. She is a absolute brilliant, gifted clinician who has worked with mentors literally around the world and has spent thousands upon thousands of dollars at the highest level of training for herself, because that's a core value of hers that she feels like she wants to constantly be improving her skills. But as a result of that, she's developed a new method of working that is really unique and really powerful that helps people get a lot better really fast. And it's called AAIT. And there's a whole bunch of initials out there for lots of different techniques. This is, that stands for acceptance and integration training. 
And when I first started working with her, her whole thing was, how can I start teaching people this? And, um, you know, I want to get like, we think it could be the next EMDR. It's that powerful. It really is a really powerful method. But when she would talk about it in her marketing, she was not owning that this was really her creation. Mm -hmm. She kept talking about what she learned from this person and this person and this person, which was all well and good. And I love that she wanted to respect and honor the mentors that she had. But AAIT is her baby. It's her creation. It is her absolute unique compilation of all these things that she's been working on throughout her career. And the primary thing we did, we worked together for six months. Most of my folks work with me for longer, but she, that, she didn't need a whole lot. The main thing that came out of that was that she began to own her authority as the founder and creator of AAIT. And today, I mean, I've watched her over the last few years step into that more fully and in her marketing to say that, to own it without apology, to claim that space. And what is now happening is that not only is like all around where we, we live around Knoxville, Tennessee is where we are. Um, there are all kinds of practitioners in our area who are now trained by her, but now she's got groups going in Chicago and Boulder. And she was talking about a group in new Orleans and North Carolina, and they're not just therapists. There are actually other types of healing arts professionals who are learning how to use this tech. Like I have, we have a physical therapist that we both know who is now trained in AAIT who's using it in physical therapy, but it was her owning her expertise that I think was the key that sort of turned on her marketing and turned on the way she showed up to the work. Like it, she brought the, her confidence in a whole new way. And it's, and so people are following her and she's, she is a, a, a leader that I think is going to change the industry. I feel like the kind of the message that I keep hearing from you is that the, the best way to start owning our marketing is to start really finding that worth in ourselves. Yes. And so if we can, if we can find ways to meditate on what it is that stands apart from other practitioners or journal on it or ask other people what they find different about us, that that can help us maybe own that and then become a better marketer. Yes. That's huge. That's great. Like if you can't in your own self, just kind of sit down and look in the mirror and go, you know, you're great, right? Like if you can't do that, Start listening to the things your clients say, like listen to the comments that they make as they're walking out the door. Listen when they say, oh, by the way, I referred a friend to you. Like, so, oh, that's awesome. Thank you. Can you tell me like, what made you decide to do that? Or what is it that's helping you? Or what is it about our work together that means the most to you? Or what is it about this that, that is making such a difference for you? I'd love to hear, ask them for that and then write it down in their words, but in a, in a very practical strategic point of view, you can actually word use that. Those are testimonials. If you can get a testimonial, that's awesome. But if you don't feel right about that, just, you can just quote them. My clients tell me that. Yeah. Well, and I, I also think that when you get that, those word for word testimonials or feedback that you can use those words, those specific words as marketing copy, Yes. Pull, pull in the people because you're using, you're using words that resonate with your ideal client. Yes. That's brilliant and right on. That's exactly right. No. The other thing I was thinking in terms of just from a confidence point of view is to start an add a girl file. Do you know what I mean by that? 
I haven't heard of that term, but I, I, I love the direction you're going. <laughs> so I used to have um, a file, a literal file folder in my desk that I just labeled thank yous. Uh-huh. And when people would send me cards and letters, you know, or Christmas cards that wrote something sweet in them, I would leave them in that. And then somewhere along the way, I had someone during a, another situation hand me a red vinyl folder that she said, you need an girl file. Uh-huh. And, um, and I had not heard that. I'm like, I love that. And yeah. she had had, I, I was in um, serving in local office and it was really rough. And she had emailed a bunch of people who had all wrote these really nice things in emails and she printed them all out and put them in this folder and handed it to me. So when your clients send you little thank you notes or send you an email that says how awesome you are, either save that in a digital folder on your computer or print it out. And when you're having a bad day or you have the client that fired you or the one that didn't go so well, pull that out and read it because it'll help you feel better and remind you of the good that you're doing. That will help also. And why you're doing the work that you're doing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes, you know, these messages that we're trying to get across and really become who, who we're all about, kind of something that we can stand behind. It has to be something that translates to our clients that they're going to understand. Right. Which is a perfect segue to the third point, which I said was open your mouth. (laughs) And by that, I just mean learn how to talk about what you do. And so when we talk about marketing, what people tend to think of are the sort of obvious things like, you know, online marketing, social media, your website, those kinds of things. Um, Offline, I think we tend to forget how valuable offline work is, but that's, you know, speaking or networking or showing up at a trade show, going to a conference, all those kinds of things. But honestly, it can also be just your daily life, learning how to talk about what you do in just casual conversations with people. Um, when you when you get when you do the other things we've talked about, and all of a sudden you're kind of like, you know, I am kind of like all that, and it's fine, and I have something to offer. It gets easier to talk about. If it would help you guys, I have a little tool I can give you that is it's just a real one page little simple worksheet that has five different formulas for crafting, y'all know the concept of an elevator pitch, which basically is just a short, sweet, clear, easy way to talk about what you do. That's all that means. But there, there's no one way to do that. There are actually a lot of ways because what I have found is I use different ones in different settings as part of just everyday conversation about what you do. But I can give you an actual formula for that. that I think will be helpful. When, so, when you yeah. talk a little bit about how the different situations, how you how you tweak your elevator speech for the different situations, like what it is that you tweak and why. Yeah. So I'll give you a couple of really specific examples. So um, I'll give you two different ones. So uh, when I was at a networking meeting um, in, at a, in a, somewhere in Knoxville, and I was in a room with like 30 people, that was a monthly thing that I hate these kinds of things, y'all. But, you know, you go, you shake hands, you exchange business cards and they have a speaker right? Like a chamber mixer kind of thing. Mm -hmm. When they went around the room and asked everyone to introduce themselves, what most people do is, hi, my name's so-and-so. I sell XYZ insurance and here's my card and I pass it around to you. But when I came around, I said, hi, my name is so-and-so and and I do this. And I have a little quick tip for you. And I I would say, I'm I'm a business coach. I work with healers and healing arts professionals, and I want to help you design an ideal practice that works for you as well as it does for your clients. For those of you in the room who are in, who are running your own business, I've got a little tip for you. And that is, I want every quarter for you to block off a little bit of time for a personal business retreat. And then I talked about what that was. That was a way of doing an elevator speech where I gave a tip. So I, here's how I do this for these people so that they can, 
And here's a little tip for you. So in a networking setting, I instantly stood out among the other 30 people who had just said the same boring thing all the way around the room, right? I gave them a tip, instant value, instant win. The opposite way of that was I went to a cocktail thingy for a nonprofit when there's a whole bunch of people walking around all dressed up for an awards thing that was happening. And that was a much more casual. So, hi, what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? There, I would, the way I handled it, and all this is on that little tool that I have for you guys. I would say, I do this and this and this, but really kind of what ties it all together is I'm really passionate about this. So at that point, I would say, I run a counseling practice. I coach entrepreneurs who are in the healing arts, and I am a really active um, member of this nonprofit in my community. But what really kind of runs through everything as I do is I am really powerful about empowering women and girls to live, to, to just step up in a bigger way in their lives and do things that make them proud. Cause that's what really gets me going. So, you know, I was sort of like connecting lots of different parts of my life, but I had a theme that ran through it. That's another version of an elevator speech that worked in a party that wouldn't work at a chamber mixer. I mean, it could, but does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one's a little looser, a little more casual. One is very more precise and more specific. So I'll give you an example um, of where something like a simple conversation can really help you. Um, I had two thoughts about this. One was I, um, a few years ago, I was invited to speak to a group of entrepreneurs in Dublin, Ireland. And it was a, it was an amazing group. There were like 80 something people there from all over Europe who did all kinds of things. They were not healing arts people. They were just entrepreneurs. There was a woman in the room who was from Russia, living in Ireland, who was a chemist. I have nothing in common with any of that. But she, the talk that I gave that night um, involved them sharing with each other at one point about a big idea that they had, which is kind of what the whole talk was about, was how to take action on a big idea. And in the process, as she was sharing what her big idea was, and she had this a mathematical formula that she wanted to take to pharmaceutical companies that could get medicines to the market faster, good medicines to the market faster. Really big idea. She ended up making a contact with someone that night in that room who had a connection at a a pharmaceutical company. And it was her first, her first foray into taking action on her big idea. And we ended up later doing some coaching together also, but it was that casual conversation that opened the door right off the bat. So I don't want you to blow those kinds of moments off. And I don't want you to be, I want you to just sort of own who you are, own your authority, acknowledge the desire you have to serve and give people an opportunity to work with you because they need you. And if you don't tell them, how are they going to get what they need? Wendy, how can people best find you and follow you? If you go to my website, which is wendyfitzreeves.com and type in forward slash elevator, You can get that little worksheet that I told you about that has the five formulas. Thanks so much for joining us today. It's been really a pleasure to have you here. And I think just reinforce some really good things and appreciate your time. I I really appreciate this, Allie. This has been fun. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. And please reach out to us if you have any questions or topics you would like covered. We love suggestions. Find us at www.alignwiththemassagebusinessmama.com. Also, we wouldn't hate it if you were inclined to share or review our episode. 
Until next time, stay healthy, massage therapists.